From the Greenhouse, it's the Adam Ragusea Podcast, episode 80, with a special guest who needs no introduction, with this audience at least, J. Kenji Lopez-Alt. Kenji, I have a premise for your consideration. Are you ready for it? <laughs> All right, sounds good. Bear, bear in mind that I just agreed to do this podcast like a couple hours ago, right? <laughs> so no preparation. Oh, so you didn't set out your like commemorative um, figurines on the windowsill in the background just for me? <laughs> <laughs> those are those are Star Wars figurines. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no further explanation needed. All right, here, premise for your consideration. Complaining that pumpkin spice doesn't really have pumpkin in it is like complaining that there's no steak in your steak sauce. That sounds fair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh -huh. I think that we should talk about like pumpkin spice, what it is. And okay. the weird kind of social dynamics that have arisen around this particular <laughs> spice mixture in recent years. Okay. So pumpkin spice. I, did, did it just have an anniversary? Uh, like this, did the Starbucks pumpkin spice latte just have an anniversary, I think? Like 20 years or something? One presumes. Something like that. Yeah, I'm sure the marketing department can come up with any <laughs> occasion to mark with the uh, artificial scarcity of their product coming in and out of season right. as, as, as Girl Scout <laughs> cookies do. And it... I love it with Girl Scout cookies. So, yeah, pumpkin spice. So, first thing, everybody complains that oh, there's no pumpkin in the pump, the Starbucks pumpkin spice latte or any of the other pumpkin spice things. But of course, that's ridiculous. Pumpkin spice right. is a mixture of spices traditionally used with pumpkin and pumpkin products. Correct. Correct. And it usually consists of let's see, ginger, cinnamon. Yeah. Yep. Uh, nutmeg nutmeg often. for sure. Allspice, I think. Allspice, commonly. Um, some, a little, maybe sometimes a little bit of cloves. Cloves. Maybe some mace, which is the weird yep. waxy red stuff that grows around the nutmeg nut. Right. Um, it's like the webbing of the... Yeah. Do you know what botanical part yeah. that is? I have no idea. I got no idea. Uh, <laughs> see, this is... It's good. I don't even know how many botanical parts I could Dude, name. Dude, it's, like it's good for people <laughs> like you and me to have these conversations because then, like, people can see, like, oh, like, Adam and Kenji, they're, they're like, they're normal humans. They just look stuff up before they talk about it on the internet, right? That's the superpower. Right. You just look stuff up. It's not your genius, you know? Although you are a genius, yeah. Kenji, but not, not because... Through the power of looking it up Through the power of, of looking it up ahead of time, exactly, which is the collective knowledge of which our species, and we should not be ashamed about that, because what makes us powerful is not our individual abilities, but our collective abilities. Anywho, um, I, I found references going back to, like, you know, Elizabethan recipes calling for something mm -hmm. like pumpkin spice or a pumpkin pie with these kinds of spices in it. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a reason... It's a good way for us to like really like remember the reason for the season, which is of course the reason for the colonialism. Season. The reasoning for the seasoning. Also. Oh, oh, <laughs> damn! God, if this was if this was old media and we were looking for like really cheap puns for headlines, you would have just had the headline oh, yeah. for the thing. <laughs> God, yes. do you think? Yeah, I remember with uh, in my Cook's Illustrated days, I had the um, the, the the thesaurus up a lot and like the and the rhyming dictionary up a lot. Do you think anyone actually likes the puns that we used to write for print headlines, or is that purely a thing that we did for ourselves, thinking that other people liked it? Uh, I liked it. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> which I guess <laughs> that does not answer your question at all. Um, 
I don't know. I don't think my wife appreciated it very much. <laughs> um, but she, yeah. But um, no, my daughter likes puns. Yeah. Uh, but she's six. You know, kids so, love puns. And I don't think she was reading Cooks Illustrated. But <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, the the um, mace is the arrow of the nutmeg. Oh, of course. See, and the arrow uh, is, of course, the power of looking it up right the now. The part of the nipple that is around the pointy part. Um, or, or it sounds like yeah. Uh, one one <laughs> is presumes. That a pun? I don't know. <laughs> um, All right. So. Apparently, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's sort of, there's, it's an old English concept, right? It's, it's been around in the English speaking world for about 400 years. The idea that like, there is a set of spices that you would use in pumpkin things that you would then generally eat in the fall or the winter because pumpkin Mm -hmm. is a fall crop that will then keep in like a root cellar all winter long. So that's why we right. think of it as a cold weather dish, right? Right. It's, it's probably also why those same spices are, at least there's big overlap with things like apple pie. Yeah. So why are those the cold weather spices? I mean, I get that they probably ended up, well, could it just be that they ended up in holiday dishes in the English speaking world because they were expensive? And so if to, to celebrate, <laughs> you would have your allspice because, because you had just... At the, at the expense of a crew of 200 sailors who all died of scurvy, plus untold thousands of indigenous peoples that you genocided in order to get that allspice, right? Like, you've done a lot for that allspice, and so you're right. not going to, like, put it in just any pie. It's going to be in your Christmas pie, right? Allspice all came from the it came from the New World, right? From the, it's, it's grow, it grows in, like, the Caribbean, right? I believe. Sure. <laughs> that sounds like a thing believe, that would I be true. I believe it's the same as like um, like pimento wood, like what jerk chicken is cooked oh, yeah. over is the uh, is the wood of the allspice. Spices are like freshwater tropical fish that we keep in aquaria. They are all either from South America, Sub-Saharan Africa, or Southeast Asia. Right. <laughs> so, so I feel like is the theme of this episode going to be uh, speculating on things we could have looked up beforehand. Um, but didn't. That's a good name for our show. You you, you keep that in your back pocket for the next time we're in a we're in a meeting with some cigar chomping media executives. Right. They're gonna love that. It's just like Seinfeld. It's a show about nothing. That worked. That pitch worked. Right. It did. Anywho, okay. So pumpkin spice. So it's this right. assortment of spices that yes. perhaps maybe came to be associated with cold weather because they were expensive and therefore you would you would only expend that ordinance on special occasions like your winter solstice holidays. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, for me at least, there's an association with, with those, those fall spices and the winter spices that, you know, it's, you use them at a time when it's cold outside and you're going to be, and you have like a pot of something you have the oven going or you have like a pot of cider on, oh, the, yeah. on the stovetop or you're mulling some wine. Right. And so those spices, um, they kind of permeate the air. Is mulling just like steeping the spices in the, in the, in the cider? Or yeah. just, just hot, hot, hot mm-hmm. cider put in the spices. That's mulling. That's essentially mulling. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I would call mulling. Um, but, but to me, it's like the, you know, you, you have it in a clo- enclosed room and it makes the whole space smell like it. And maybe it's like, a, I don't know, a small stone cottage that is heated oh, by a yeah. fireplace. Because <laughs> um, we all know that the Elizabethan people who would have allspice would be the residents of small enclosed spaces, oh, right, right. right? And not like <laughs> people in a manor house. Yeah. 
Right. Well, the the, the servants in the they would have enjoyed it. Redolent of those Christmas yeah. spices. Really, really nice for for the help. Right. <laughs> I guess it could also be that like. Because a lot of spices have those like chemesthetic effects, right? Where they stimulate our the pain receptors yeah. that we have for sensing heat burning, yeah, right? Or they dull them also. Um, and so they maybe did some of these spices end up in cold weather classics because they are warming. But black pepper isn't in pumpkin spice. No, but I, I so speculating again, but based on I, I believe that black pepper is only popular because of. One of the Louis who in, insisted on uh, only salt and black pepper. Is that, is that Dude, correct? Dude, is, is that a thing? That some... I've always I wondered so. why believe... why pepper is the counterpart to salt in Western cuisine. It seems really random and odd. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's because one of the Louis, maybe the 14th, something like that, was uh, uh, very picky and insisted that the only spice he wanted was black oh pepper. Oh my God, it really is I'm because it was a finicky it white man couldn't handle spice. That's really oh, yeah. what it was? <laughs> Jesus. I believe so, yep. <laughs> you know what's funny about black pepper is that that's only one of these spices on, like, where like- six chickens he ate a day. <laughs> that's right. Well, it's what made him, gave him such a powerful build. Um, I- Black pepper is this thing that like, just like any other white person, I just kind of put in um, reflexively for no particular right. reason. And yet it's always striking to me how every now and then I'll like put a bunch of pepper in something and it will like smack me in the face. Like usually like, yeah, like soup you, or mean, something like a lot that, of it. right? Yeah. Or like something like cacio e pepe. Or yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. There are dishes that are based on pepper, but yeah, it, but, but otherwise... You know, I, I put out, I had a video I put out, I don't know, a few weeks ago um, where, you know, so I keep a black pepper mill uh, and a white pepper mill uh, on my counter by the stove. Why the white pepper uh, mill? It, well, that, yeah, so that's what's, so people were like, you keep white pepper in a pepper mill? Um, it's like, yeah, I keep black pepper in a pepper mill. Why Why wouldn't I, like, they're like, I've only ever seen white pepper powdered um, or I've only ever used white pepper pre-powdered. It's like, well, like, why do we grind black pepper fresh, but not white pepper? Well, it's not, it's, for, like, most of, I get it. I just don't get why you're prioritizing having white pepper in your life. I mean, isn't it purely for cosmetic reasons? No, oh. it has, well, it has a distinctly, I don't know if you've smelled it, but it has a distinctly, it smells them side by side. It has a pretty distinctly different aroma. Um, you know, there, It's just the interior the of the peppercorn, right? It's like it's had the, exactly. its shell taken off or whatever. Exactly, exactly. But arugula the, the, or whatever botanical part that is. Almost a little, <laughs> probably also an arrow. I don't know. Um, it, it It's a little, to me, sort of a little like skunkier and a little, but, uh, you know, but it's a very common spice in a lot of uh, Chinese cooking. Um, and so I use it frequently in that, some Thai cooking as well. So like if the, the flavor, the, the peppery flavor that you get in, say, a hot and sour soup is white pepper. And it tastes distinctly different from black pepper, which has more of a sort of sharp heat. Interesting. Uh, as opposed to white, white pepper, sort of sort of more, I don't know, milder heat, but a little stronger aroma, I find. Assuming you can taste it at all. And what these moments always like make me wonder, like when I actually taste my black pepper, I wonder like, am yeah. I ever tasting it? In the other times, right? Yeah. Like, is it one of those things mm. that, like, yes, there's bass in Metallica's Justice for All record, and if it was gone, you would notice its absence, but you don't really notice it being right. there either? Like, I don't know if that's what pepper right. usually is in my food, or if really it's I just mean, I, expensive pee, you know, like a bad vitamin, you know? <laughs> people feel, I mean, you know, people people ask that most frequently, I think, about bay leaves. You know, there, it's like an internet meme almost, sure, that yeah. bay leaves are useless. Where um, and it is one of those things where 
unless it's like a very sort of, you know, like a very Bailey Ford, say bechamel, you know, something like yeah. that, where, where it's a relatively neutral flavor. Otherwise, you know, when, when you stick some bay leaves in your chicken stock or you stick them into like your simmering bolognese or whatever, you're not going to eat it at the end and say, oh, that's bay leaf. Oh, but so bay. if you do taste it side by side, you, you will notice, oh, this one's a little bit rounder, a little bit more, you know, a little bit uh, it's got that it's got that base note in it uh, that um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that you, your your brain you know your brain doesn't notice it but your mouth does. yeah 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 you know one time I was making a joke about how bay leaves may or may not do something and I got an email from a Brazilian viewer who said I don't know what you're talking about because anytime I let a bay leaf like touch my food it completely permeates it with flavor uh, and I'm like is Brazilian bay a different thing. Well, that's that is. I mean, that is a good question because there are two distinct types of bay leaf that we get in the U.S. Um, the dried bay leaves are almost always Turkish bay, mm-hmm. whereas fresh bay leaves that we get in the U.S. and sometimes dried also are California bay, and they're two different. Yeah, plants. that's like eucalyptus, isn't bay it? Leaves, they, I mean, they both have that kind of eucalyptusy aroma uh, and and sensation, but the California one is much stronger. And so, if you put a California bay leaf and use it the same way that you would use a Turkish bay leaf, you get a much stronger. Uh, a much stronger sort of eucalyptus aroma. There's also Indian bay, which is a different plant, um, but is, I, you know, sometimes I use it, I use it relatively interchangeably with Turkish bay, although they, they do have a, a different aroma, um, but but they offer sort of the same, you know, it's kind of like a, um, you know, it's like a Rickenbacker vase, base versus a, versus a, a strat Look base. at this yeah. guy extending so. the metaphor. He knows <laughs> about an arc, this guy. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Side note, I think, think that probably there is like a TikTok account called Turkish Bay, where it's just like okay. one of those handsome guys who like sits down in a suit in a hotel room and then like snaps his fingers and then he, he's just not wearing a shirt anymore. That's probably Turkish Bay's okay. account on TikTok. Um, All right. Or it could be Turkish Bay leaves. I don't know. Uh, bay and black pepper are, neither of those are in pumpkin spice. So I'm not quite sure why we're talking about that, but you know, Hey, this is gold. You get, you get Kenji and Ragusia on the mics and it's gold. Okay. I'm sorry. We spin gold. Getting Kenji on the pod is like, uh, it's like, uh, getting rich to me. If you'd like to get rich yourself, consider diversifying your investment portfolio with Masterworks, sponsor of this episode. Skip the waitlist and invest in blue chip art for the very first time with my link, masterworks.art slash Ragusia. I have invested in a painting myself with Masterworks. I own a sliver of a painting by the British optical artist Bridget Riley. I have all of your other like normal investments too in the retirement and the college accounts and such, but stocks and bonds and the like are probably in for some volatility with geopolitical uncertainty and interest rates and inflation still causing difficulty. Warren Buffett sold over $33 billion in stock in the last three quarters. Sure, he has the luxury to liquidate assets for a rainy day, but does he know something we don't? Diversification is key for every investor, and one of the many reasons why super rich people have historically invested in fine art is that its value generally moves relatively independently of other major assets classes. Goldman Sachs and BlackRock say that the days of there is no alternative are over. Fine art has been seeing great numbers. In 2022, the big three auction houses posted record high revenues of a combined $17.7 billion, the best auction year ever. The statistics have been updated recently, and uh, blue chip whole contemporary art has now outpaced the S&P 500 for the last 27 years by an impressive 136%. Masterworks buy 
devise artwork that they think will appreciate, they securitize them with the SEC, and then you and I can go online and buy shares in these artworks. Masterworks just exited their 16th sale a few weeks ago, delivering another double-digit net return to everyday investors who did not need millions or art expertise in order to get started. Past performance is not indicative of future returns, and exited investments are not representative of performance for artworks not yet sold. Do your research, find out if Masterworks is a good diversification option for your portfolio. New offerings have historically sold out very quickly, but you can get priority access with my link and simultaneously let them know that Ragusia sent you. Go to masterworks.art slash Ragusia. That is masterworks.art slash Ragusia. And I thank you, Masterworks. So, Kenji. That was a segue. Thank you. It's kind of my specialty. Back when I yeah. was back when I when I was a I was a talk show producer at WBUR in Boston, and mm-hmm. like I I I developed a thing where like other people would like write segments of the show, but it was like Adam will write the transitions I, or the ins and outs is what you call them to get in and out of the, yeah, yeah. the commercial breaks that aren't commercial breaks in public <laughs> broadcasting. Yeah, so I would always write the ins and outs because I I, I, enjoy, I have sick pleasure in like connecting dot a with dot z yeah because I, I didn't even know where we were going and we were already there. you're already there that's right that's how it is with me you don't know where you are and then you're there that's how it is with the goose so pumpkin spice is uh yeah there's like a lot of things in our life that like are mm-hmm. named after the thing that we have them with not the thing that they right. are right like mm-hmm. there's a lot of and um, people always seem kind of like amazed or frustrated or amused that pumpkin spice doesn't have pumpkin in it. But like, yeah. does barbecue, is barbecue sauce steak. been smoked? No. Uh, sometimes oh, shit, it, it's it often has, had yeah. liquid smoke added well, to it. Well, there's It's that. often had li- liquid smoke added to it, but not You always. come up with a better example. Come smoke. on, come on. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, somebody sent me um, uh, a, uh, a container of something called chicken salt, which is apparently like something that people put on fries yeah, in New yeah. Zealand or something. Uh, and it does not have chicken. It doesn't have little um, chicken grant, like dehydrated stock granules in it. That could actually be no, pretty good. But, but on the other hand, I also have a jar of, um, I think it's Lee Kum Kee brand, but a, a Chinese chicken, like chicken bouillon uh-huh. that has no actual chicken in it at all. And it's, it's made from like, you know, yeast extract uh, MSG and like six, six nucleotide, yeah, whatever, yeah, exactly. whatever nucleotide uh, extract <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Um, steak fries don't have steak, but you don't eat them with steak. I guess they're called steak fries because they're, cut like steaks i don't know you do not eat steak fries with your i guess you steak you do eat steak fries with steak i guess but i i consider i I would think of them more as like uh like you get them with a burger so we call them steak fries because they're big and meaty maybe i think so yeah maybe i remember one time i was talking about i forget what it was but some you know japanese fried food and i mentioned Mm. um tonkatsu sauce which is mm-hmm. the sauce that is traditionally had with a breaded fried pork cutlet, cutlet. right mm-hmm. um and i mentioned that there's this japanese sauce called tonkatsu and i got a bunch of like japanese speaking people being like no 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 no, that's the name of the so- that's like the modifier not the noun right right You'd- i wouldn't call the sauce tonkatsu i would call it tonkatsu sauce which is like yeah. perfectly fine on the other yeah. hand what i just did that mistake that I made, oh my God, yeah. that happens in like, like, think of all of the things that we, that we identify by the modifier and not by the noun. You know, I just did a great mm-hmm. transition into that commercial advertisement that we call a commercial <laughs> because we have, 
eliminated oh, the yeah, noun yeah, yeah. in an elliptical construction. Huh. What what is that called? Is that called a is that called a is that a synecdoche? Oh, is that there's something where like a like a the the modifier means the whole thing. I can't remember if that, that's the the right. Thing. I don't know. All I know, I know is that my uh, my bubby used to do a, a vaudeville show up in Schenectady, um, and it it's gonna killed yes. every summer. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, um, oh, fuck. What were we talking about? Okay, so okay, so this, I don't know. Uh, this, this is all gold. Dogs. We're spinning gold here. So. So anyway, tonkatsu. So like that's that's got to be how that happens a lot of the time. How we end up dropping the noun yeah. is that in some cases people don't know the noun. They're not familiar. They don't know what it means, yeah. right? And so you end up dropping. But, you know, that would be like a Japanese person referring to a one as steak, right. Yeah, right? But the thing is, I bet you there are things like that. There are. I'm yeah, sure. I'm sure. Like I are. guarantee you, that's like. I mean, it's or it's like saying that like. You know, oh, um, oh, I can keep this on theme. I can, I can, I can extend the metaphor and keep it on theme. Um, ex- what are Japanese style bread? Oh, in Japan, called? people call there's a dish called napolitan. Oh yeah, um, ne- Neapolitan. Oh, uh, which is which is uh, spaghetti, uh, often with like bell peppers and onions, sometimes sliced hot dogs uh, in ketchup. Boom. It's called Napoli. Perfect example. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Napoli. It has nothing to do with Naples. Uh, nothing to do with being Neapolitan. Uh, I, and I and it's just referred to by its modifier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I was gonna <laughs> say that it's kind of like when what's the what are Japanese style breadcrumbs called? Uh, panko, right? Okay, so like, it's like when it's like when I will say like I gotta have, I'm gonna have let's do some panko breadcrumbs, and then some asshole in the comments has to be like panko is just Japanese for breadcrumb, and I'm like oh, yeah, 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 thanks, yeah. buddy. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> if I just say yeah. breadcrumbs, people could use all kinds of yeah. things. I could say panko. People, know, people these days know they what know what it is, is and that's fine. But yeah. like they didn't know like ten years ago, it was really helpful. When someone said right, panko right. breadcrumbs and when a white person yes, was watching I, television, I, I, okay? I remember when my, my wife and I f- first got married. My wife is from Colombia and we, we speak a lot of Spanish at home. Uh, but uh, we saw a commercial for something from Taco Bell, but uh, but they called it carne asada steak and queso cheese. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> but, like, language is full of things like that. Like, that's not unusual. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean, it's like, you know, katana is Japanese for sword, but... I can't just call it a sword. I mean a kant- I mean a katana. Like that's it's not right. the same thing. Right. Like, well, yeah, I mean I think the thing that a lot of people who like to argue about language and be nitpicky about it forget is that like the point of language is to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you're communicating, I feel like the language is doing its job. Indeed. Um, and and I think you know, that people who are who, who that, are being pedantic, which like, you know, for you and I to complain about pedants is definitely pot calling cult pedal <laughs> pot calling kettle black but we're we're, we're pedants in recovery right like we're trying right. to be better people and one of the things that i've tried to remember in like restraining my own language pedantry is, is like to, to interrogate my own motives like why why am i being pedantic about this it's because i want to show off that i know something that i think you don't and that's not a good reason to like do right. anything <laughs> Like that's a good reason no, to shut not. up, to like holster that <laughs> thought. I mean, that's the old like you know, I, yeah, I can't, I can't sleep yet. Someone is wrong on the internet. Yeah. Web comic, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, Randall Monroe isn't that guy's name? I met that. I, I believe I met so, that yes. guy once. Oh, because he lived in Boston when, when oh, yeah. we did. Oh, yeah. did he? Okay, he I might still be that. in Cambridge yeah. for all I know. But anyways, um, wow, how do we get back? 
So what, what 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 else was on your agenda here? Is it, <laughs> no, no, is it no, all see, pumpkin spice? Gonna, I think I, I, you I know think, I live in Seattle now. I live like in the hometown of Starbucks, which is like the birthplace okay. of I think of this. Pump, so pumpkin is it spice like latte. like it's it's is it like being in like the 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 Cadbury town like Birmingham and everything smells like Cadbury chocolate or like does everything smell like pumpkin spice no, in, in Seattle right now? Like, most of the stuff here smells like better coffee than what you get at Starbucks. <laughs> there, there's Starbucks here, of course, but. Uh, also, a lot of people who know better find like in malls and uh, and tourists. Yeah. like there's a lot like the you know the Starbucks and Pike Place and the and the big roastery in Capitol Hill. Like it's it's all tourists who go to those. Uh, there are many good coffee shops here, though, including including um, uh, Cafe Vivace, I think, which just closed actually, but or maybe it's still open. But they, it was the you know the, the birthplace of sort of what we call what we refer to as third wave. Uh, coffee now, you know, like doing doing latte art was invented at this. Campaign. I didn't know that that was called third wave coffee. What is define third wave yeah. coffee? So third wave coffee is coffee that is generally sort of single source uh, and is roasted a lot lighter typically, so that you can taste more of sort of the fruity and floral mm-hmm. notes of the coffee. Uh, and then generally, third wave milk drinks are made with a a, a milk that is not foamed as dry. Uh, so that the milk, so that the crema in the espresso. How and does the foam one the milk foam milk blend. dry? What, what, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me see if I can oh. figure out what this means. I need to not be okay. a grumpy old man. I can use context clues yeah. and I can figure this out for myself instead of okay. throwing up my hands and acting like there's something wrong with the world because I don't know <laughs> what a word means. Okay. Right. Foaming it dry. That's got to mean like foaming it until it is fully transformed into a foam. It's no longer a liquid. It's now like fully a foam and therefore mm, not does quite. not flow. It's more, so a, a dry foam is more like what you would think of as like uh, the bubbles on top of a bubble bath. Okay. You know? Uh, so, so you have this distinct layer of sort of larger bubbles yeah. that when you pick them up with a spoon, they can kind of sometimes hold their shape um, or you can plop them down and the spoon doesn't really, and, and you can ma- mainly get them off the spoon. Whereas uh, what a lot, what foam in sort of third wave coffee, sh- coffee shops does now, uh, you foam it with these kind of micro bubbles. So instead of having like a distinctly foamy texture, you get sort of a richer, it's not frothy, it's sort of richer and velvety. Um, and so that foam layer, um, it's not really distinct from the rest of the milk. Like the idea is that you want actually the sort of the same texture in the milk all the way through. So even though in both cases, you might be expanding the volume of the milk by say 40%, uh, with a dry foam, it's going to be liquid milk on the bottom with, uh, bubbles on top. Whereas with a more wet foam, what people call a wet foam, uh, it's going to be sort of a consistently consistent consistency all the way through the coffee, uh, all the way through the milk. Uh, that it reads as more, it's, it's kind of the difference between say, uh, the, the head, the, the, the head on a, on a, on a well poured Guinness, you know, versus just like the head on like, uh, on like a poorly tapped keg. Yes. But bubble size. Yes. Exactly. Bubble size and sort of the way it drink, the texture. Tightness of the bubble structure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is the I I, I took this. Uh, I've been for the last month or so. I've been um, I don't really drink much coffee, but I've been curious about how latte art is done, and I wanted to learn how to oh, do it's it. So pretty, so I've been, yeah. Uh, visiting baristas all around Seattle um, and sort of getting little lessons on it, uh, and I quickly just quickly found that the most difficult part of the whole process is getting the texture of the milk right, and that if you if you have poor texture on your milk, like you can't make latte art. It's like trying to like. Paint with why, why do you reckon we tried to foam milk for use with coffee? Like milk doesn't want to foam. Like you really have to beat it up to make it foam. Whereas like cream, you just like l- look at it harshly and it turns into a foam. Why don't we like foam up <laughs> coffee with cream I, instead? We could probably use way less of it. Uh, 
Well, so the, 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 if you try foaming cream versus whole yeah. milk versus skim milk, there's actually like a huge difference in the way um, they take bubbles. So skim milk, actually, it's very difficult to get a wet foam. You end up with a dry foam. You end up with a really sort of, um, yeah, like really bubbly, big bubbles on the top. Whole milk, it's easy to get this velvety texture. With um, with cream, it's hard. Like I, I think because of the ratio of fat to fat to liquid, um, it's hard to get the the foam to be stable in cream. Um, but it, it's different from it's it, it holds it in a different way than you know cold. Like the, the temperature is completely different, I guess. And and that I, you know I haven't really looked into <laughs> why it matters, but um, but uh, cold milk will not hold foam, but warm milk milk will. But if you get it too hot, so like around 135, 140 degrees Fahrenheit. It's kind of the sweet uh-huh. spot for those velvety bubbles. And if you continue to try and foam beyond that point and it starts to get hotter and hotter, you know, by the time you get to like 155, 160 degrees, uh, it breaks down into a dry foam again. So there, it's, it's, I don't really, I, I actually, I, I probably should look up um, sort of more of the science behind why um, uh, milk and cream at different temperatures hold air differently. But, um, but it's actually harder. It's hard to get that texture yeah. with heavy cream. Well, with milk, you um, would be, for whatever milk reason. is going to be generally homogenized, right? And that's got to change the pro the, the proteins on a. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think most of what you're buying in a in a in a if you're buying a, stuff in a carton at the supermarket, it's all homogenized, anyways. Whether it's a sure yeah. cream or milk or skim milk or right? why do you? It's all so beautiful. Like the whole. I, I mean, I'm I'm sort of a late in life coffee convert. And even then, I'm I'm still back on black. I've not I've not graduated to mixing things into my yeah. coffee yet. I'm still trying to like figure <laughs> out how I like my black coffee. And I've recently converted into one of those d- douchebags with a Chemex. But um, that thing is yeah, so like good. Those, yeah. And pour over <laughs> coffee is like legit so much better. And real. Uh, I I mean you know for me I drink my I typically drink. I, so I don't drink daily coffee. It's just not like I'm, I'm not really a coffee drinker. I, I drink coffee sort of the way I eat treat, chocolate yeah. where it's like once in a while, I'm just like, oh, here's an interesting yeah. thing. I want to taste it. And so usually if I'm drinking coffee, it'll be uh, like an espresso or maybe a macchiato with like with a you know, little bit of milk in there. Um, but usually it's espresso because I feel like, yeah, I don't know. It's the it's the purest expression of the coffee. It's like eating, you know, like eating dark chocolate where wow. you get to really appreciate the I'm not a coffee nerd enough to know, but I suspect that there are coffee nerds who would like take exception because it's got to, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm thinking of like, I'm thinking about like whiskey nerds who like talk about how like a whiskey is better if it, you know, some whiskeys swim well, meaning that like you can taste more of them when they're diluted with water. And that's certainly, I mean, I think there's people who argue that there are certain coffees that like you know, people will brew coffee super strong in order to hide the fact that the bean doesn't taste good or, or something like that, you know? Um, you can, I mean, brewing, brewing strong versus an espresso is different because espresso is not just strongly brewed coffee and it's, it's, it's expressed like espresso, you know, you, it, 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 it mm-hmm. extracts through pressure and heat. And so you, exp- you extract like oils yeah. more than you do in like a, a pour over, for example. Um, so like all the crema on an mm-hmm. espresso, the, the creamy top is oils that oils that you've expressed from the coffee that are emulsified. Um, so, so it's not just that it's a stronger version of black coffee, but you know, all, all that said, like, I'm sure there are, I'm sure there are people who would say, Oh, you taste it better with black coffee versus, you know, and, and, also, that said, there are roasts that are specifically made for espresso yeah, versus yeah, 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 exactly. blah, blah, blah. But, you know, typically, you know, my take on all this is that I, if, if somebody is trying to tell me 
how I should enjoy something. You know, if, if they're an expert, maybe I will try it the way they suggest, but it's not going to, it's not going to change the way I, you know, un- unless I find that I really enjoy it more that way, I'm going to continue doing it the way I like to do it. And well, that is, that, that is the only, I don't think anybody should feel bad about it. That is the, the only correct opinion things. to have on that subject. But it, you know, it's, there's a, <laughs> there seems to be a particularly large amount of guilt associated with like hot beverages. Like I don't, you know, like, I mean, okay. like oh, the pumpkin spice thing, like it's people like, like people like coffee with allspice and cloves in it. And there's like n- nothing wrong with that. I don't think other than like the, you know, yeah. stinky residue of colonialism maybe, but like, you know, and then, I mean, <laughs> you know, which, and then there's the, the, the reeking stench of late stage capitalism on there as well. But it's like, it's like, especially like women get guilted on the internet and called basic bitches for liking coffee with allspice in it. What the hell which, is that? Oh. That seems really messed up. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, at least in, at least in Seattle, and I don't know if, if that's the case everywhere because I've re- only recently started like occasionally yeah. going to a coffee shop. But I find there's a lot of like you know there's there's places that serve like lavender coffee or they have like the coffee of the month with with, with yeah. like rose syrup or whatever. Like they, people will use various botanicals these days and flavor their coffee. And I don't and I've never seen it at least looked down upon here. But you know, then again, maybe, maybe Seattle's just well. You also didn't go into one of those places and order a pumpkin spice latte. I mean, it would be funny if you did, and in fact, <laughs> get video of that because that would I like. I mean, honestly, them, probably- Kenji orders a pumpkin spice latte at like a frou frou Seattle coffee shop is like a piece of content <laughs> that would go viral. Like if if you decide you like money, well, Eric, you know Eric Kim, my colleague at the New York Times, Eric Kim, he just posted a picture of himself drinking a pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks, and I thought yeah. that was like, oh. That's good. Like, I'm glad he did that. Making make, so if flavored okay if flavored it. coffee um, is good, but pumpkin spice coffee is bad, it's got to just be because pumpkin spice po- coffee is popular, and nothing that's popular right. can be good in the and, minds and, of the snob. It's that simple, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the reason. Yeah, same reason why. Do people still say no, hipsters? No, it is. Like but we're old, old men, term, so it's we the can. Same reason why any. Why? Why? Why are men of our <laughs> generation like, like all anxious about popular. talking, sounding like old men? I feel like our parents were like, like my dad still says stuff like, you know, he turned me on to that song that you know I was. I was going to listen. Like, he uses like fucking like, yeah, no, that's like hippie expression? shit. That's like boomer shit, uh, right? Like they use boomer. Like what, what is wrong yeah, with yeah. us using Xer and, you know, early millennial lingo? It's fine. Let's sound like old men. I don't think, well, I think, I think it's that we aren't, we aren't the age that your, uh. your father was when you start, when you remember him using that language. I, I feel like by the time my daughter is a teenager, I, I will have um, embraced my old manhood. You know, I think it's mm. because we're at the cusp right now. It's like, I, I still oh. feel young, but my body yeah. is telling me I'm not very young. And then my, the fact that I have kids right. who speak a different language from the uh, different slang for me is really telling oh. me that I'm not young anymore. And the, you know, and on top of that, the fact that I, that I <laughs> yeah, work on I the internet um, and my audience is generally younger than I yeah, am. The internet um, yeah, cameras add 10 pounds. <laughs> the internet adds 20 years. Um, yeah. I, maybe the reason <laughs> that we think popular things are bad is because if something is popular and a person chooses it, there is a greater than normal likelihood that that person is choosing that thing, not because they truly like it 
or are familiar with it or are a connoisseur of it or what have you. They're ordering it right. because it's they know what everybody else likes. And there is something kind right. of risible in that, right? Nobody wants to think of themselves as a follower. Yeah, nobody wants to think of themselves as a follower. So you like if you, you want to be the one that, that bucks the trend, not the one that follows it, right? I don't know. Um I don't know. I guess I mean some people don't mind it. I don't know, but but yeah, I think I think that is the the main reason why snobs are snobs is because they they want to show how they are different and smarter and well, is better. There, and is there a particularly like a particular it's not exclusive to men, but is there like a particularly male thing here where it's like the what is the implication? The implication is that like you you're choosing this thing that everybody else likes because you you don't know enough to know what you actually like. And because I'm a man and I therefore must jockey for status at any given every given second of my existence, one of the ways I can jockey right. for status is to show that I know myself and my own desires and preferences more than you know yourself. And therefore, instead of ordering the pumpkin spice latte, which is popular, but I know I don't like it, I'm going to order the lavender latte because right. some reason, I don't know. Yeah, well, it's because everyone wants to be a leader, but it's the same reason why, you know, if you if you say, if if Adam Ragusea goes to a Starbucks and you, and you order a pumpkin spice latte yeah. and you post on Instagram, like, fuck it, I love pumpkin spice latte, like, you've suddenly become a leader again, right? Because now you are, now you are not just, now you are not a follower. You're the one saying, hey, everybody who thinks yeah. this trend is dumb, like, no, like, I'm making it cool again, you know? So, there, there, there it, it goes back and forth that way, I think. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> I tend, I mean, I, I do find, you know, when I, uh, when I embrace, uh, when I embrace sort of, you know, lowbrow, quote, lowbrow things, like, all right, so my favorite thing when I go on a, yeah. if I'm at the airport mm. before 9am, uh, my favorite thing to have is a McDonald's bacon, yeah. egg and cheese biscuit. Uh, and if I post a picture of a McDonald's bacon, egg and cheese biscuit, and I say, I love a McDonald's bacon, egg and cheese biscuit when I'm at the airport before 9am, like, I guarantee that's going to be like a million people being like, yes, like feeling, feeling validated that they also love this um, fast food sandwich that is, you know, by all yeah. accounts, like relatively trashy, but it's still McDonald's. I mean, well, the reason I love it, and I, now, now I'm just going to start talking about McDonald's bacon, egg and cheese, but the me reason I love it is because McDonald's like has figured out how to make something out of like pre-made, prefabricated parts that still taste good. Whereas when you go to like the mm -hmm. little mom and pop shop at the airport, you're getting egg, you're getting just regular scrambled eggs from a steam table and they don't have that like McDonald's magic, um, you know, magic procedure that they do to the, whatever they do to them to, to keep them from yeah. turning into sort of rubbery steam table eggs. Anyhow. Uh, but people, you know, people like to feel uh, validated for their sort of, you know, basic tastes, right? Everybody has some tastes that are basic. Do you think that's a legitimate service? Like, like that letting them know that it's okay to like a thing that they like, that seems like a thing I tr I try to go out of my way to do. I feel like that's a good thing to do for my people. Is it not? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I always try, you know, especially in my, you know, my cooking videos, like I, I do always try and make it clear that like, you know, I'm doing this because this is the way I like to do it. But there's nothing wrong with liking something different. There's nothing wrong with doing it a different way. There's nothing wrong with like not having the right, not having access to the right cheese for this particular thing, you know, like, um, yeah, I always feel like, yeah, you know, 
the best the hmm. best cheese is the cheese you've got um or the cheese that you like or whatever it is yeah i i do think people uh appreciate um you know, not appreciate listening to someone who's not a snob, right? Nobody like nobody likes to feel bad for their choices, um, especially when maybe they, they should feel bad though, right? Well, in some cases, yeah, but but certainly not. I I don't know, not their choice of breakfast sandwich. <laughs> I guess it depends. I guess it it really depends. I mean, I um, you know, I did I did a thing once yeah, in yeah. praise of Hershey's chocolate because. I feel like, you know, you could right. repackage that as hipster lacto-fermented chocolate or no, it's not a lacto-fermentation. It's some kind of fermentation process that could theoretically that, result in the right. butyric acid that they're probably achieving chemically rather than That makes it taste right, like yeah, vomit, exactly, yeah, vomit, rather right. than through fermentation, but like, you know, regardless, I you know, I I like it. It's good shit. And and I and yeah. I had like a lot of people say like, "Oh, it's actually not okay to like Hershey's chocolate because like all national, oh, yeah. like, you know, global chocolate brands, the chocolate is sourced from places where there's like child slave labor and shit, which well, is a real yeah. thing to be concerned right. about. That's, that's the part. Now I think I would maybe argue about like, where's right. the problem there is the problem there with the Hershey's chocolate. Or is that like a, like a political problem that is simply manifesting in many places, one of which being this chocolate bar, but like that's, um, and then that, right. that, no, so I mean, certainly there are there are political reasons not to not to like things or to or to say to someone, hey, you know, you might like the way this tastes, but consider the fact that when you buy this, you're supporting Indeed. X, right? Yeah, of course, those are those are reasons. Um, I, I just meant in, ter- mm. in terms of matters of taste, um, but it's it's different, you know. Yeah, it is. But it that's is not true either, food. right? Like, isn't it? Shouldn't you know? Because we make our kids expand their palates all the time. We don't let them be chicken nuggetarians, like, like. That's well. That's a matter of health, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, the reason the reason I want my kids to have their palate expanded is because I want them to be able to enjoy the full breadth of things. And if if you know when they're eighteen years old or whatever, however old they are, to make you know they they decide, you know what, I never want to eat peas again for the rest of my life. Fine, you know. But 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 I want them to be exposed to all, all kinds. Of, it's the same reason. That it's like I make my daughter mm-hmm. practice violin, right? She got to pick an instrument, but we practice every day, forty five minutes, um, and. Uh, some days she's fine with it. Some days she doesn't like it. But um, by the time she's 13, 14, 15, uh, she will at that point have the skills to be able to enjoy music for the rest of her life or enjoy playing music. It's, it's this thing where it's like, you know, by the time you're old enough to think, oh, I wish I could play music with other people. Often, yeah. often it's too late. Right. It's it's like you have to. And, and the same reason it's like by the time you're old enough to say, hey, it would be great to like go out to go travel to this country and experience the food. But like you have a really, really refined, a really, really small, um, uh, constrained um, taste in food, and, and and you're not going to be able to appreciate it. Well, you know, sometimes it's at that point it's too late. So it's better to. I, I feel with kids, you know, when they're still malleable, you want to uh, expose them to as much as possible so that they have this freedom of choice later on in their life. I, th- I think that's a different thing. And and of course, there's also you know health, uh, and you know, giving kids a varied diet. Of course, like uh, you do it for health reasons, not just because you don't want them to only like chicken nuggets and uh there i am implicitly comparing our audiences to our children which i'm sure they're gonna love that it's not gonna smack (laughs) of paternalism at all uh right (laughs) speaking of which um i think you've got one asleep in a in a in a in a room nearby so you probably need to hop off soon uh hey let's do it again sometime uh yeah what time kenji has an open invite on the adam ragusia pod so 
uh, audience members, if there's anything you would like to hear Kenji wax poetic about in an unscripted and unresearched format, <laughs> uh, let me know. <laughs> Um, I was actually going to say that I'm I'm starting a podcast with my friend Deb Perlman, also from Smitten Kitchen. Um, we're going to be uh, it's, it's launching in November, at least one episode, and then I think the the first season is going to launch in January. But uh, um, when when we are at the point oh, where we're yeah. having guests, um, we do you guys have, have a format in mind other than like these two awesome people talk about awesome things? Yeah, it's called it's called the recipe with with Kenji and Deb. I push for Deb and Kenji, uh, but it's called the recipe with Kenji and Deb, uh, and it's about the process of recipe development. You know, because both Deb and I mm. have been recipe developers for decades, uh, but we and we both have sort of similar approaches in that we try and be practical and write recipes for home cooks, but we have very different approaches as well um, uh, and different audiences. So I think um, you know, there's a lot of talk, a lot of a lot of rich territory to cover um, and talk about sort of why we make the choices we make in the recipe development process, how we foolproof recipes, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it'll be a, I think it'll be fun. It's fun for us to do. And that's the main, can't wait. The main when thing, does it debut you know? again? Uh, we're, we have one episode coming out in November, uh, mid November. It'll be November 20th, I believe. And then, uh, then a, the whole first season will be All out. Right, can't in wait. January, uh, January, maybe February. You're the best Kenji. Uh, you're welcome here anytime you make good choices and I will talk to you next time.